We live in a culture that is obsessed with growth. We seek economic growth, bumps in the stock market, ticks up in GDP, Dow 25,000. We talk lots about personal growth for our high schoolers applying to college. That's the standard admissions question. Not what do you know, but how have you grown as a person? But when we pursue growth at all costs, when it becomes our primary good, we can end up in very strange places. If your ultimate goal is economic growth, the temptation will be to run roughshod over human rights and the environment. The playground might be a super fun site, but Job's report was pretty good. If your primary goal is personal growth, the temptation will be to do what's advantageous to you instead of what your neighbors actually need. Don't think of what your neighbors would benefit from. Think of what would look good on your college application. Sometimes our obsession with growth, with improvement, and with change takes us in exactly the wrong direction. And of course, we do the same thing with church. We think that for the church to be doing well, it has to be growing. It has to be acquiring. It has to be acquiring more people or more money or more status. I don't think many of us would explicitly say that's what we mean by growing, but look under the hood and that's kind of what we're getting at. When people ask how the church is doing, they usually don't mean how the Sunday school curriculum is aligning with the needs of learners. What they mean is Advent 25,000. The ways we talk about growth and change are especially important for us because last month at our annual meeting, you adopted a new mission statement that begins with the very word, grow. Growing in faith through worship, learning, and serving together. It's a good mission statement. I didn't write it, but I like it. But it does leave us to unpack exactly what it is we mean by growth and how we seek change as the people of God. So is there a way to talk about growth and change without falling into one of those two unhealthy impulses? There's good news and bad news. The good news is that there is. For the past 2,000 years or so, people have been thinking theologically about the importance of change and growth. The bad news is they've come up with two seemingly contradictory ideas. The first idea is that to be brought into relationship with God, to receive God's grace, to be called a child of God, to be redeemed, to be justified, whatever language you want to use, you don't need to change at all. Who you are right now is who God wants to be in relationship with. So you don't need to change anything about yourself to convince God to want to be in relationship to you. You don't need to make a confession of faith, you don't have to sign a piece of paper. You don't have to have some special spiritual experience. Who you are right now is who God wants to be in relationship with. The churchy word we use for that is grace. And we often talk about grace like it's a thing, like it's a noun, a person, a place, or a thing. But it's really an adjective. It's a way of describing our relationship with God and just saying that that relationship does not depend on me. My relationship with God is not contingent on my income, my gender, my culture, my family, my sexuality, my income, 
my housing status, anything else. It depends on God. So the upshot of this is that I don't have to change who I am or become any less me to be in relationship with God. The second idea is that being in relationship with God will change everything. There are lots of examples in the Gospels of people who want to be in relationship with Jesus, but find that the change it requires is too difficult. There's the rich man who wants to follow Jesus, but won't sell his possessions. The man who wants to follow Jesus, but asks to bury his father first. The change that being in relationship with God brings is not just inconvenient or undesirable, but it cuts to the very heart of your own self-understanding. It's not an accident that in the early church, many baptismal fonts were designed to look like coffins. And the symbolism suggested that the change of being brought into the body of Christ was a kind of death. You joined Christ in death, you were raised to life with Christ. So how deep does the change of being brought into relationship with God go? As deep as your entire existence as a person. So those are the two ideas. Being in relationship with God doesn't require us to change at all. And being in relationship with God requires us to change so profoundly, the only way we can talk about it is in terms of dying and being raised to new life. Is there a way to square those two ideas together? Well, thankfully there is, but it requires to start not from our thinking about the economy or the church or the common application, but from God. In today's gospel reading, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountain to pray. And Jesus, Matthew tells us, was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Not long after, a voice from a cloud says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Transfigured comes from the Greek metamorphe, which you can guess is the same root as metamorphosis, changed. So the story of the transfiguration is a story about Jesus changing. But is Jesus actually changing? Well, it depends on whose perspective you're seeing this from. If you're watching this from Peter, James, and John's perspective, then the answer is, yeah, of course. Jesus isn't walking around in dazzling white robes on some random Tuesday. But if you're watching this scene from the divine perspective, then no. Nothing has actually changed here at all. This is who Jesus always is. Jesus is always God's beloved with whom God is well pleased. So what's new here is not that Jesus is becoming God's beloved, it's that now Peter, James, and John know it too. They get a glimpse, a preview of who Jesus actually is. In other words, and this is the whole point, the transfiguration is not a story about Jesus becoming something he's not. It's a story about Jesus becoming what he already is in the eyes of God. If this story feels like an Easter story to you, there's a reason for that. It's about Peter, James, and John taking on God's resurrection point of view. From one perspective, nothing's changed. But from another perspective, everything's changed. So when we talk about change, when we talk about growth, we're never simply talking about growing in the way the stock market grows or changing in the way people change over time. We're talking about growing into relationship with Jesus 
in recognizing, realizing, claiming that what God says about Christ is also what God says about us. What would change if we ditched some of our obsession with growth and began focusing on transfiguration? If instead of focusing on acquiring more, we focused on taking on God's resurrection point of view? Well, for one, it would drastically reshape how we think about our economic life. It would help us understand that markets are a tool for human flourishing and not the other way around. It would deeply reshape how we think about personal growth, not as achieving more things to construct an identity, but as uncovering the truest things about ourselves. And it would drastically reshape how we think about church. Instead of evaluating the value of our common life based on numbers, we could evaluate it based on how well we build relationships that help us grow in faith and love. And when our mission statement talks about growing, I think that's what it's talking about. I don't think it's talking about getting more money or more members or more stuff, at least I certainly hope it's not. I think it's about how we help one another live as transfigured people, as people who help one another grow into Christ so that the source of our life becomes its end. Sometimes I wonder if some of our anxiety about being church together comes from striving to fulfill a mission we haven't been given. Our calling's not to acquire more, to stockpile resources in the name of progress and getting back to the 50s, or to reclaim the conveniences of Christendom, but to help reveal the light of Christ that shines within each of us. And that brings us all the way around. We gather together around font, word, and table not to become better people, not to improve as people, not to make spiritual progress, but to become transfigured. A people who become a little more like the body of Christ when they trust that they and their neighbors are both God's beloved. And what would, what would that kind of transfigured body, inspiring, strengthening, and giving hope actually change? Well, from one perspective, it would change nothing. But from another perspective, from a transfigured perspective, it would change everything. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.